May 14, 2021, it's the Wife from Pedro Show.
show. Happy Saturday. Start the show off with Crep School. Crep School A. <laughs> Always mess that up. With Nelly. Retake number six. See, he blew a clam. She has John Coltrane with Thelonious Monk. Then we had Elmo Kirkwood with March of the Frogs. And uh, Brother Matt, Love Grotto. Pleasure Point. Although I did get my first Moderna yesterday, COVID-19 shot, Vax. Uh, I am not man alone, because those engineers in Estonia with their soft, Skype software invention, I got Mr. Elmo Kirkwood. You're in Tempe, right? Mr. Watt. Uh, Tempe, Mesa, one or the other. Okay. <laughs> Both in Arizona. <laughs> Yeah, Welcome floating aboard. around the suburbs of Phoenix. Right. Actually, Tempe kind of the college town, right? It is. It's where the university is. Sun Devils? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, uh, please bring your early... You know, it's a trip because I knew you when you were born, kind of. Yeah. Well, I knew when yeah. it happened, t totally. <laughs> okay. So this is... You're kind of a first. Like... In the next couple of days is 20 years of this show, but I've never really talked to somebody like this. So it's very cool. Oh, that's awesome. I, want, that's I want to hear about your journey through music. So please bring your earliest musical recollection, Elmo. Um, I have a couple that are profound that I'll give you. But the very One of the very first ones is sitting next to Derek Bostrom's drum kit at a gig watching Boster play drums. I used to love to watch him play drums when I was a little kid. That's one of my earliest, earliest memories of music is watching the drums happen. Mr. Boom Bap smacking away on those things. And um, that is like the first thing I remember music-wise, like the very first thing. And then after that, I remember being at a Neil Young concert and um, having to pee behind the seats because I was like really young, <laughs> like four, four or five years old, something like that. And then being at a BB King concert, those are the three most 
early musical memories I have. There's a bunch of Meat Puppet stuff stuffed in there, aside from me watching Bostrom play drums, but I can't remember a lot of that. That's just all kind of lost. But those are the three things that stick out as my first earliest memories. But the most formative memory is certainly watching Bostrom play drums. That's the very first memory of music I have. Now, are we talking about the pad that was next to your uncle's? No, um... Uh, even before that, honestly, even before that, but that's, uh, but yes, at the same time, I spent a ton of time, uh, over at Chris's house where they had that old, like, uh, like big, uh, what was it, a big garage in the back that they converted and tried to soundproof where they used to practice where they'd spray paint it all over the walls. So I, that's also one of my major like early musical memories is going in there and watching those guys jam it sit us up on top of like the amplifiers or on top of cabinets we watched them get down or chris had like a little recording get up in there i like, listen to stuff he'd make oh you mean on his own yeah yeah like he even recorded me when i was probably like I don't know, seven or six singing Ben by Michael Jackson. <laughs> Just a cappella. So. Now, <laughs> I know probably where you grew up, the pad you grew up in, there was musical instruments. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so when did you first jump on? Um, when I was a little kid, they'd buy me cheap you know, acoustic guitars from Mexico, stuff like that. There was always stuff like that around. Kurt had guitars around. When I was real young, four or five, I'd pick them up and plink around on them, plunk around on them. There's a picture of me with one as a real little kid, but I didn't take it too seriously. I never, like, could wrap my head around it. Um, but you gravitated towards a guitar. Like like you said, you were into Derek and the drums, but you didn't try jumping on the drums? Well, I would get little fake drum kits, too, from, like, uh, you know, Toys R Us would sell them with the little paper heads and stuff. Oh, yeah. I had a couple of those that Kurt and Chris's uh, mom, my grandmother, Vera, bought for me. So I did. I had all that stuff, but none of it ever really stuck. And what, like, what about of, bass? What's that? Bass? Yeah. Um, bass, I actually wanted to play, and Kurt told me I should play guitar. So when I really started playing for real when I was about 12... I told Kurt, I want to play bass. And he was like, uh, you just play guitar. <laughs> you don't know how to play bass. <laughs> Can I ask you about school? Were you in the marching band or the choir, shit like that? I was in the choir in fourth and fifth grade, and I played viola as well. Oh, during a sum Yeah, during a summer program, I played saxophone for a while. Um, so I did all those things. Did you learn how to read? Out. What's that? Did you learn how to read? Uh, yeah, I did, and I still kind of know how, but not well enough to actually do it on any sort of level that would, you know... No, but you went through <laughs> it. Oh, and, yeah, for sure. And you learned martial arts, too. I mean, that's kind of a parallel universe, but... I did. I did a lot of martial arts also as a kid, so... <laughs> Can you relate it to music? Um... Yeah, I guess. Just the same way I can relate anything to any sort of learning process, right? With it like takes you learning like like music. I think what a lot of people forget about is how much like your body goes into that. You know, it's the physicality of it. 
and uh, people think about like, oh, you're just hearing and listening. It's like, yeah, but what about what your fingers do? What about your body does behind that? You know, you think about that with drums, but even with guitar or bass, there's a ton of physicality in that and getting used to your body and getting it like, yeah. So I think a lot like getting used to repetition of movement and then finding a way to like, you know, make that work the best for you. No, so, yeah. Something kind of physical too, for sure, maybe. Uh, for sure, maybe. Vibration, <laughs> vibration. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially with the bass, you know, I'm a little biased that way. You you almost feel it more than you hear it. Oh, absolutely. You should be feeling it. You can feel the bass, and that's the part of it that you're working off of. That's such a nice feeling, I think. Like when you're just like caught in that groove and you feel that consistent buzz humming through you and it's just like, you know, you're right in the pocket. It's just like vibrating right like through you with those big fat sound waves bouncing off each other. Um, I love bass. (laughs) Now, what about the other side? Like composing. Did you start that early? Um, yeah. Yeah. The second I started playing for real. I started trying to write stuff, um, and it was really bad. Like at first, the first couple things I wrote were just nonsense. Like you know, within the first few months of plucking around guitar, but then when I first started trying to write songs, like 13 years old, I was listening to a lot of stuff. Like, jeez, I don't even know what I was listening to. Just whatever it was in the mid 90s that people were listening to. But I was also listening to like punk rock stuff. I was just trying to write little songs like that, but really quickly, really quickly, within like the first year, I figured out that I could write like different sorts of things, and I was already listening to a lot of different kind of music, and started writing little finger-picking pieces, and then started trying to put together real songs, and then started trying to write songs with melodies. I had a Tascam four-track recorder that I got for my 15th birthday that I was obsessed with. So I sat around and taught myself how to record. And I just went like ham on like figuring out how to make cool sounds and got really deep into just like recording and capturing sounds. I really liked making cool like noises and kind of approaching it from that side, which I really loved. I'm a little curious. Did, had you started doing live gigs yet, or were you just still experiment man alone? I played my I played my first live show when I was 15 years old. My very first real band, my little hardcore punk rock band, and we played at this place called Tempe Bowl. It's a bowling alley in Tempe, and um, yeah, it was horrifying. I, I hated it. I uh, <laughs> the other dudes the other dudes in my band were messing up but like at the same time. So it sounded like I was messing up, like somehow they were like linked, you know, their minds were linked to do things wrong. <laughs> <laughs> now, and, uh, was the material uh, your own? Yeah, yeah, we wrote oh, cool songs. I actually, I'll got, I, I wish I would have found some stuff from that band that I could have sent you. Uh, I'll send it to you here subsequently, but uh, it was pretty you- intense. The stuff we wrote when we were young, it was really, it's like, it's like punk rocky and hardcore, but there was like some thrash to it. Like it's fast, like really fast, pretty intense. Right. Pretty good. 
in, in retrospect, we were really good. I remember my dad and mom would be like, you guys are awesome. When we were like 15, 16, we we're like, no, yeah. we're not that good. I listen to it now, and I'm like, damn, I could never play that now. <laughs> and what, what was the name of the band, Elmo? That band was called the Dive Bombers. <laughs> I didn't like the, I didn't like that name. Um, we had originally been called Mr. Boot, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> and then uh, it got... <laughs> It got changed. Okay. Got, it got changed for some like goofball reason, and uh, so it goes. I want to play something now, a little more recent. In fact, it's called 2021.
a counter-note.
my cat. Mosquito got a blood Jones. A bad habit, a habit bad. Fixation on the neck. Don't turn around or succumb to his voodoo. For you may be next. I got a new haircut and a brand new hat. Moved out of my house and back the U-Haul over the cat. Do you want somebody to jump on your back? Do you want me to jump on your back? When? Yeah, get off of my back. I'm mean, I'm old, and I don't care. Who knows? about my brand new hat. It's a sombrero.
fist Knock down your door in the darkness This building's burning, let's get out But you won't wake up, and I just shout Now I wish I would've told you that I loved you from the very start hills, the need to stand amongst the grass, maybe it's the view, the way the stone circle overlooks Lady Bower in the fog of winter. I don't understand what draws me to Hordran's edge, but as we scale the hill and follow the track, I know I am glad. We search for meaning in the stones, walk their edges and make suggestions, a compass, a diary, a classroom. A way to measure the stars. I think of our below and nine ladies, Bamford Moor and Barbrook, the Bronze Age labyrinth carved into the country. My head is an out-of-tune marching band, where all anyone ever wants to do is play the cymbals. It has no volume control. I flood it daily. Search for answers like lost dogs. Throw meaning over my shoulder and learn to take the strain. Knowledge can be so heavy sometimes. It's okay not to know, you say. Your mouth will full stop. I breathe a sigh of relief as my body settles into the landscape. 
Let go of questions like helium balloons and watch them rise like mist from trees. The moorland will tell me nothing, and I am content with this silence. There is only so much that two hands can hold. I am learning to put things down. When the screen is too bright, when the calls are too much, when the email drowns my laptop and I can't turn down the noise of living, I know you'll be on the hill, waiting in all your mystery.
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off that chunk of music with 2021. Elmo Kirkwood. People, <laughs> you know, it's you, all you hear is the sounds coming out, but you, you wouldn't believe how that originated. I, um, yeah, so I was actually in a buddy's bedroom, and I was showing him how to, like, you know, musical sampler I had on my phone. They had the acoustic guitar, and I just hit some harmonics on it and sampled those and then processed them and turned it into all the major keyboard parts you hear in that. There are some synthesizers in there doing some of the, like, lush swells and stuff, but almost everything else, almost the entire thing is just acoustic guitars that I turned into that. So, uh, I got lucky there. I don't no, know. No, real this, good, real good. The uh, sounds turned out cool. I was happy about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and what, what, do, what do you use? Your leash? Computer? I, uh, no, man. I use my phone. I, uh, yeah, the leash. Okay, okay. No, I know a dude. I know, I know a guy who's made two hours. Yeah, I know a guy who's made two whole albums. A guy named Barry. What's that? He's made two whole albums right. on his fucking leash. Barry Burko. Yeah, a great, great make, music cat. I, I, that's awesome. Yeah, I just make them on my on my iPhone. I have GarageBand on there. That's I what he does. Little, uh, he uses virtual he instruments head. and stuff. Let me tell the people what else they heard. They heard uh, SLWCC Watt, Liberty. It's a brand new album. It just came out of Iowa City. John Wayne after that, Working Man Blues. That's a Merrill Haggard song. You got some wind blowing there, Elmo. Maybe roll up the window. Maybe it's really hot, though. <laughs> Bob Bucko with timing is something. <laughs> Boma's pregnant after that with brand new hat. Oda Zoy from Clonk. Like that, I can hear wind blowing like a motherfucker. Trapper show car. hotel I'll be, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be home soon. Ah, because you're driving. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Can yeah, I'm, I'm doing the Phoenix thing. I got caught. You caught me. I uh, thought I could time out my errands appropriately. but apparently well, It's time, time for the well, for Pedro show, but it's okay. It's okay. Uh, Hordron. Edge from Sophie Sparham, Christopher Gregory, Modern Blonde, No Respect, Psychic Hotline, Utopia, Hanson Potaker, Moving Towards Something, Stair Kits with Baymere Beast Dushun, and some No Wave, Old Days. Are You a Cop, Brand New, Please, Please Hold, and finally Elmo Kirkwood with The Attic, Stories Part 2. <laughs> well, I'm just reading the title there, brother. <laughs> I got you. Okay. Okay, tell me about that first band, Dive Bombers. How long it last? Okay, so that was from when we were about 14 till we were 17. So we broke that up in, like, 2001. We had won some, like, Battle of the Bands things around, like, town, and um, which I didn't even want to do, but those other guys were like, we should play these Battle of the Bands, and we like smoked all these other kids. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Just because like, I don't know, when you're in high school, there's there's always a few bands around that I like, can actually play. But like, we were like pretty, we were pretty tight, to be honest. And uh, so we did that. And I don't know, we just stopped getting along because we were teenagers and that's yeah. what you do when you're teenagers. Right, so right. <laughs> Now the, the band I know is the, is the Dillinger... Uh, Kirkwood. Oh, Kirkwood Dellinger. Yeah, yeah Kirkwood De I'm sorry. Kirkwood Dellinger. That's my... I don't know about the dive bombers, so I, I, it'd be bitching to get them recordings. Yeah, I'll get those to you. I wish I had them. I, I would have sent you some of that. 
No, no, I can play on a future show. Cool. Yeah, it's good okay. stuff. It's, it's it's. No, but tell me this: How does Dillinger, Kirkwood Dillinger happen? Okay. Well, that Brian Dillinger and I were friends from high school, and um, we I played music. I had my own bands, and he was interested in playing music, but he was real beginner. He oh, started writing. Let, let me get started, this straight, Elmo. Between Dive Bombers and Kirkwood Dillinger, there you have other bands. Yeah, yeah. So I had. Um, Tell me about it. another. Okay, I had a band. There's another terrible name called Broken Robot that uh, featured some <laughs> of the pe- <laughs> featured some of the people in Kirkwood Dillinger, like Brian Boyer, and that was a band I had for a couple years that we tried to get stuff happening for. We were trying to write cool songs. We were kind of figuring it out and getting our footing and um, started getting some attention around town. And right around the time that happened, I got just burnt out on that band. I didn't like it. I didn't like the sound we were doing. I wasn't really interested in playing with the people that were in that band anymore, aside from Brian Boyer. And um, while that had been happening, Brian Dellinger and I had started writing songs together because a friend of ours from high school who was like a notorious just like he lied constantly it was just out of his mind he ended up getting arrested and it was all over the news because he had smoked some meth and then he'd smoked too much meth and then he passed out in a stolen car and when his friends tried to get him out of that stolen car he stabbed them and it it was kind of yeah it was just like one of those wow buddy you really you really lost it there. So we Time decided for a to new write, band. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we decided to write a concept album about him, Brian Dellinger and I. So we started chipping away at this thing and we realized the songs were really cool. And we finished it and I broke up my other band. I had some gigs booked and I was like, I want to put together this band with this stuff I'm doing with Brian. So we practiced for two weeks and started doing gigs and they were really well attended right off because I had just what, started what, getting what, pressed. You got, you got other guys in the band though, right? Right, yeah, I got Brian Dellinger in the band. I got this dude, Ken Izell, who was my old drummer. Uh, Ken was my manager at a job I'd had. And um, I hit him up and I was like, come play drums. So we took Brian Boyer from my old band, who was a guitar player, stuck him on keyboards. We actually all switched off instruments, but we had two weeks to practice. We figured it out and started doing gigs. And uh, You did more gigs. Uh, you came out to California, right? Well, yeah, we came out to California quite a bit. We yeah. toured. Um, we got, yeah, that band, we tried to work that band pretty well. We were doing a really low fight. We had a real artsy vision for it. What about recordings? Um, I have played recordings on the show. Yeah, that song, The Attic, was from Kirkwood Dellinger. Uh, that, um, we put out this album, Beast Boy, then we put out an album called Miniature Stallion, and then we signed to a little indie label and put out this album called Gold, which wasn't the best representation of what we were doing at the time. But it was a fun band. Brian Dellinger's little sister, Chelsea, joined for a while. Um, we did a lot of stuff. We had a really cool sound. We all switched instruments a lot on stage. I had a blast with that band. Um, that lasted for about four and a half years. I think that that became untenable after, like, all things, like, um, I don't know. I think we just got sick of being in a band with each other. We're all best buddies trying to, like, force each other, like, around each other all the time. And I know that myself personally at the time, I wasn't the easiest person to be in a band with because I'm really into, like, I don't know. I want to play things good. I want to do it right. And if I don't feel like that's happening and I feel like there's like slacking off, I'm going to start barking at people. I'm more chill now, but back then I was certainly not in for like 
messing it, around. Uh, <laughs> it, it was different than Broken Robot. Yeah, it was different. It, it was a lot different. I liked that. I liked Kirkwood Dillinger. Yeah. We had just a cool. We had a cool sound. People liked it. We got really great write-ups. We got good press all the time. Good reviews. Um, it was always one of those things that seemed like it was on the precipice of getting to the next level, and then not which largely was because of you know in like just the inner workings of the band and <laughs> our failure at dealing with one another type stuff human beings yep we're at the end of the first hour may 14 2021 dishwap peter's special guest elmo kirkwood hold tap for hour two may 14 2021 second hour what for peter
Sword and instigator, absolute form. 
Show start off the second hour with Gorilla Joseph, Elmo Kirkwood, Buffalo Girls, Ben Salter in Tasmania. After that, Lucas and Bella, always for Anna Comasosis. <laughs> He's out of Sydney. Kiwi Jr. out of Toronto, originally Maritime. Football Bunny, Sigodi. Three fourths of them are Tuscans. The headline whisper screams, and then. Puppet Midnight with, here's the title, people. Primates climb the ladder while the frogs and rabbits hop along. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. <laughs> and it's all bass. That's really awesome, actually. That's a, that could be that could be one of those titles that could miss the mark, but that is perfect. And then finally you with Empire. Oh, sick. That hit the mark. <laughs> so, the, 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 yeah. Uh, Kirkwood Dillinger went as far as it could, and, but you still want to do music, right? Yeah. So what's I've, next? Uh, so after Kirkwood Dillinger, I started a band called Flamingo, and um, uh, that was a blast, actually. That band, more than any of my other bands, didn't last for very long, but we got the most attention in the shortest amount of time. Made some tours, did some good gigs, um, had some dude throw some money at us to make some recordings. That band fell apart before anything got released because of drugs. Uh, two of the people in the band got uh, drug problems, which I was not accustomed to in bands. I'd been really lucky without having that crap sneak in. So I had two different kids get addicted to two different kinds of drugs, and I just got really disenchanted and grossed out. Um, I had also started playing with my dad already and decided that I wasn't going to have my own band for a while because I was just a little bit burnt, like having my last two bands fall apart and having it affect friendships and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden the meat puppets thing is there and that's just a whole different world of stuff than I'd been accustomed to. I'd been doing my little rinky dink thing and then I get to jump onto there. Um, lesser rinky-dink thing. You know, I fucked up, Elmo. We didn't last here, Empire. We, we, we I'll say that one more time. Callate. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <clears throat> I, I fucked up. I didn't play Empire. I played Stories. Oh, now, okay. now I'm going to play Cuban or Gorilla. Cool. And we'll talk about your transition.
just as sweet Now my heart is shattered If I bowled it down the street Who's to say it matters Another girl's love. It's a love song as usual. 
Rooms full of spirits surround me There's real as they can be Every morning I plant my shaky feet On an earth so hard and mean Bodies broken, systems fail You care for me to no avail No reward, no, it's not fair And I'd be on my way if I wasn't so damn scared Most ominous host, and he claimed a connection. 
connected as he's confused. So our story is. On a marvelous web, but my ears weren't tuned into make believe speaking. What if the stories were true? Then he produced from his hand the coveted subject of which we were speaking. And so I became seduced. show that chunk of music started off with human or gorilla elmo elmo kirkwood and people that last tune was of the last chunk wasn't empire it was stories because this chunk <laughs> ended with empire after uh <laughs> human or gorilla which is interesting uh miriam uh gendron with threnody t-r-e-n-o-d-y yeah and then another girl in the glove by duo decimal system out of cleveland Morgan dealt with Mr. Carbon Copy, Murdered by Death with Send Me Home, and like I said, Empire. Elmo Kirkwood. So, you know what What I wanted to ask you was, since you didn't get to record with Flamingo, or do any releases, you did some recording, how was the music different than uh, Kirkwood Dillinger? Uh, 
it was it was mostly guitar based. Kirkwood Dellinger was so many keyboards and okay. other weird instruments and samples and xylophones and blah blah blah. <laughs> Flamingo was a guitar band and it was really cool. There was this kid Joel Robinson who uh, I met when he was 15. He hit me up on MySpace and asked if I could teach him guitar, which I didn't do, and I was like, sure. And he came around, and I tried to teach him guitar for a little while and realized that he was really good. I'm not a guitar teacher. And I was like, dude, I, I can't help you on this journey. This is just like not like in this capacity. I was like, but when you're old enough, I'm going to poach you, and we're going to be in a band. And <laughs> that's exactly what I did. Yeah. And he and I wrote beautiful stuff together. I mean, I just love the way that he and I could compose guitar stuff together. I never... We just made really beautiful, lush stuff, and I was writing these really cool songs. Um, someday I'm going to pluck some of those songs and use them again, because it's really, I think it's really solid material compared to a lot of stuff I put out. I like most of my stuff. I'm biased, obviously, but I thought it was really good. Um, I divorced myself from it, though, at the time, though, because I had a lot of bad feelings watching two people I was really, yeah, really yeah. close to get really messed up on dope. Um and like I just I got grossed out like really and I was surprised it was like it was the first time I felt disenchanted because I was in my late 20s and you know I'd been doing my thing and I'd been trying and it was like wow so after all this time here we are like you know we can't even get an album finished because of drugs and blah 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 and that's when the transition into playing with pops happened when yeah. he first got the pup yeah when he first got the puppets back together he had mentioned me playing with them and i was like not interested because i was really interested in doing my own thing and when he asked me five years after that i was pretty interested because <laughs> well tell me tell really me about the first meat puppet gig that you got to play elmo i uh, will i was in fayetteville arkansas and I broke two guitar strings and ended up having to use Dex Rom Weber's guitar for the last part of the set. I wrote, broke another guitar string on that and subsequently left and went and sat backstage and realized that I needed to figure myself out before I uh, got back into the arena with the big boys again. <laughs> so, um, Man, that's kind of a pants shitter. I, I love Dex. We're going to play some of his music next hour. He's great. Flat duo jazz. Yeah. yeah. Flat duo jazz, yeah. And Dex was Maybe you were nervous, guy. though. It was the first gig. Yeah, you know, I should have been more nervous, and I should have paid attention. I was nervous. I should have paid attention to the fact that Kurt was like, you should change your guitar strings like I do before every gig. And I told him, I'll be fine. And I was wrong. Um, I broke <laughs> guitar strings all over the place. I, since then, have... I changed guitar strings every single show, like religiously because that was just like luckily it was a small gig there wasn't a ton of people around but oh man i was just like so grossed out i was like i cannot believe this just happened like when you put on the uh, new set do you stretch them oh of course then i started uh, after that i got to town and like i just figured my stuff out now like it's just ritual it's routine it's part of the process i i have to change the strings or else i don't feel like i'm ready for the show so and, that was and, the first uh, that was, what did you play at first? Because I know nowadays you play one of your pop's guitars, right? Yeah, I actually always have since we started. I don't. I have like Les Paul that I always played for myself. But when I started playing with Kurt, it was really clear that yeah, two Les Pauls up there, especially for what we're trying to do um, live, it just wouldn't sound right. Wouldn't let him, you know, fly on top the way it should. So um, I went through a series of different Stratocasters. Um, all Kurt Stratocasters, maybe one of my own, 
And um, finally, we just settled on, or we, I settled on that uh, Seafoam Green American Stratocaster he's had for years, which I've adopted now, which we can still call his, but and it's what, probably mine. What do you like for amps? Um, Fender combos. I have a DeVille I really like, a Fender DeVille. Um, that's what I've been into for the last like half decade or so. I think it just really like works great live. Any Fender combos are good. Um, before Watson, that, I, yeah, I always I always used a Bogner uh, half stack for years though. I had a Bogner Ecstasy head that I used, but I don't need a half stack these days. Too big, too loud. Do you put your amp on a stand? Nope. Tom Watson does. <laughs> I tried once, and Kurt told me not to. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, I, uh, honestly, like the, the dad thing doesn't play out so much, so much as on stage, the boss thing does. It's just his band. So I'll do it. I'll do it. I see. You know what I mean? He doesn't boss me around like my pops. He hasn't done that for a long time. I'm yeah. 37, year, right. 37 years old. He doesn't really get to boss me around, but he is. But he does get to boss me around when it's his band, band and I'll do whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do whatever he says. That's he's the boss man, and you listen to the boss man, and the boss man has been really successful. And but he brought you know, the, he brought the band back. Yeah, he's a he's a trip, man. He's a, I, I have a so much respect for him outside. Yep. Like I respect him as my pops because he always held it down. He's a good dad and just a good guy and then as working with him now for the last decade i respect him a lot he works his ass off so brought it back and you know what and it ain't and it ain't rerun world either bringing in the, the keyboard rob and yourself. oh yeah ron's nuts and Ron, like having Ron, Derek i'm sorry I, I pronounced it bad but also Derek, i want to talk about that uh in the next chunk of uh time we got because uh it's 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 a band that's evolving, man. It's not a museum piece. It's 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 right, right, right. I think you're part of that, Elmo. We're at the end of the end of the second hour, May 14, 2021 edition. Wap Pedro show special guest Elmo Kirkwood. Hold tight for hour three. May 14, 2021. It's the third hour of the Wap from Pedro show.
Excuses, excuses. Like a train of cabooses. Right now, somehow you
unknown.
Yes. On the way here, they did that to clean feet. It's disgusting, isn't it? Yeah. Solid next in line to try and solve this mystery we've been deployed. Take out plastic girls and boys. Let the moon conduct the high tide mutants that construct my third eye. Pick apart the brain and pull out any seeds of self that would sprout. Breath of purification.
Watch for Pedro show. Start off the third hour. Elmo Kirkwood with New Juice. And we had Crane with Cabooses. Little song. Lewis Cole after that, after the load is blown. Mickey Sanker got this via Jack Brewer out of the black hole. That little pun rock there spelled funny. <laughs> okay. You dropped your Bible and I saw your thong. That was live by Veda Hill. Yeah, this lady, she made these songs from Craigslist ads. Oh, that's amazing. That's the lyric writer. You know, people just yes. being their, their real life insane. Give it up or turn it loose for Black Randy and the Metro Squad. That's old Hollywood scene in the 70s. Very influential on us. Minuteman. The first time I saw the Meat Puppets was L.A. Press Club uh, right around there. Wild. That's so wild. That's so wild. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's fucking... Then we had uh, Tim Holhouse, this guy in England, doing Makes No Sense, which is a Bob Mould song. Some guy... I got asked this question about this kind of improvised music way out, free jazz stuff, and they were asking, well, if you had to put vocals to it, who would you put? And I said... This was just an hour and a half ago. I said, uh, Bob Mould. <laughs> I just thought of like, whoa, how would it be with Bob? Okay, and, and you know, Grant used to sing this one with him so good. So the last time me and Elmo got to play with Grant, of course he didn't do a Bob song. But Then we had Pale Angels from Wales with Casper. And finally Elmo Kirkwood, Feed the Monster. Feed the monster. What's, Feed the monster. Yeah, what's going on there, Elmo? I sat around. I sat around with Brian Dellinger, and I um, told him I could make up a song like right now. Like, watch this. And I just made a little drum loop, and I sat there on a keyboard, and I played a chord progression. And when it ended, I put a bass line over it and some other stuff. And subsequently, he and I wrote a song. This was about 2006, 2005, maybe. And that's that. Um, I have no idea what it's about. Well, yeah, you, you, you made a song. That's enough said. What about New Juice? New Juice was the first song that I ever wrote on wow. keys properly. I, uh, you all right there? Well, I, I, I didn't know I had, like, the first tune. Not a guitar tune, but a keyboard tune. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I wrote it on keys. I, I lived with some people. I lived with some guys in another band, and um, one of them had a Wurlitzer that he's brought over to the house. And when no one was there, I'd just sit around all day tinkering around on it. I would jam out to stuff like Fela and shit like that. And then I uh, started tinkering around and playing chords. And I made up like kind of a bass pattern with my left hand and played the chords with my right and started writing songs. And I wrote this song and that was New Juice and um, that was a Kirkwood Dellinger song. And when we did that song at the time, we got a lot of attention for it. It got put on a bunch of compilations. I got it played all over college radio, all over the country. Got it put on comps out of the country in Europe and Australia. And people paid a fair amount of attention to it. And um, that's the consent. The consensus was like, should we, like, everyone was like, uh, the consensus was that we should re-record it and make it sound good. But at the time, my artistic vision precluded me from re-recording things upon other people's requests for it to sound more polished. <laughs> I was just like, nah, it's not how I do this. Now, I listen to the song and I'm like, man, it's a beautiful song. 
I've got Chelsea Dellinger singing it with me. And I'm like, I could have just done this and made it sound good. And who knows if anybody would have paid attention more than they did. But they could have. Tell me about this song, Travis and Mark Start a Fire. Uh, I will. Travis and Mark Start a Fire. I was on the phone with my buddy Brian Dellinger actually like a month or two ago, probably a couple months ago now. And I was just plunking around on an acoustic guitar. I was trying to come up with chord progressions that are different than I usually do, not the kind of stuff I typically use. And um, in the middle of the conversation, I was like, hey, let me call you back. And I got off the phone with him, and I just used a little, like, you know, audio recorder on my phone to record this riff real quick, and I forgot about it. And, like, a week later, I was like, oh, didn't I record something? And I popped onto the phone. It found it. And I was like, I wonder if I could make this into a song. And I did, and I made it into a little instrumental, and it actually turned out being way cooler than I thought. So I sat around and tried to come up with some melodies for it, but it had some, like, interesting chord changes. I wasn't used to negotiating when it came to, like, making melodies that kind of segued, but I figured it out, and I'm actually really happy with it. It's one of my favorite things I've written in a long time. It's simple, but it's kind of out of my wheelhouse, so it's fun. Well, let's listen. Like, let's listen. Yeah. 
Știșa, cancare mais Știșa, știșa de mais Cancarcea, popcorna dino Știșa, știșa de ora I am in no way liable I walked behind you just today And saw you drop your Bible I saw you drop your Bible As we both walked along And when you bent to pick it up I looked and saw your thong It was pink, it was pink Oh, fluorescent bright and pink I glimpsed your florid butt floss And I couldn't help but think 
a thought that scorched my sinner's soul and left the blackest stain. I will be your Jesus if you'll be my Magdalene. Is that the thong of Tholomon with which you gird your loins? That flash of Baptist lingerie has stirred my pagan groin. Perhaps you might invite me to your Bible study class. Then shop with me for vestments that will bifurcate my ass. It was pink, it was pink, all fluorescent, bright and pink. Salvation is within my grasp, I'm standing on the brink. I hear the sound of angel hearts, their dulcet carols swell. To waft us up to heaven, where we'll raise a little hell. Raise a little hell, raise a little hell.
without you, sweetheart. Don't want to cry without you, my love. Farewell, my love, again.
Last music for this edition is Elmo Kirkwood doing Travis and Mark Start a Fire. Then we had Chicha Libre with Popcorn and Dino. Uh, man, you know what? I might have said some of these other songs already. <laughs> right? You dropped your Bibles. I saw your thong. Give it up, turn it loose. By uh, Black Randy and the Metro Squad. And Dex Romweber duo. Uh, I don't want to listen. Incredible cat. I De love that. Yeah. And Dex, finally, Dex Romweber. Was that uh, was the duo when he was playing with Sarah, his sister? Yeah, he lost her to cancer. I know. I, it's so sad because they, we toured with them. I spent you know weeks with the, both of the Romwebers. And she was great. And what she had been in um, Let's Act. That's correct? right. 
That's yeah, right. she was Sarah, Sarah was great. Dex was far out, man. He uh that <laughs> he was a far out dude. He was very polarizing to the audiences on that tour. We had a great time with him, but <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's his own man. Uh, he's his own man. Yeah, he's far out. I uh, I can dig a far out sort of guy. I can I can I can get behind that. He's so always, he was always very kind to me. Then we had this big fucking opus that you did. I guess this is the third version of Requiem for Lizard. I played the f first version. Nice. That you gave uh, me yeah. like months ago. Yeah, you're right. So Requiem for a Wizard is uh, one of my very best friends. One of our, all my whole group of friends, or one of our very, very best friends, uh, passed away last year. Um, he was born with a broken heart. And um, he lived up, you know, to be into his late 30s, but uh, time caught up with him and uh, he passed away last year, which um, I'm not accustomed to in that context. You know, uh, I just uh, it was a different sort of loss and it really creeped me out and I was pretty bummed about it. So I sat around and I uh, wrote that instrumental uh, uh, for him. So yeah. that's what that is. Beautiful, beautiful. And you know we started this this spiel with Derek Bostrom, right? The old memory, right? The old memory. And you're playing with him again. I mean, you played with your pop uh, for a number of years, but these recent years, the the last incarnation, man, uh, you bring back an old guy and then you expand with a new guy, a keyboard, something. Now you've been on keyboards, but I remember your pop telling me he had never worked with keyboard guy. Right, no, he hadn't, and especially, like, a dude like this. Like, Ron is insane. He's brilliant. Oh, yeah, right? I had him on the show. He's, yeah, incredible cat. Right, he's he's a trip. He's he's exceedingly intelligent, and, you know, just when it comes to the music, he's, you know, he's just different. He's different, and um, he fits. He fits, and that's the weirdest thing. You could never, you know, what would it take to make someone fit but he does and he can play with kurt and chris and he can play with Derek, and i play well with him and it's just awesome and having Derek back has increased the musicality of this trip like you know exponentially and just continues to uh bostrom makes kurt and chris the meat puppets you know without bostrom it's kurt is always going to sound like the meat puppets and kurt and chris always will sound like the meat puppets but until you add the Bostrom into the mix, it's it's something a little different. And uh, playing with that other dude for so long, he didn't really fit and yada, yada, yada. Um, Have you ever showed your pop songs for the band to play? Uh, Not really, but yes, at the same time. So typically, no, but I was just playing a little thing for him recently or maybe like a year and a half ago or in the studio. I was just noodling around. And on the little record store day release we put out last year, there's a little instrumental called Sugar Finger. And I wrote that. Kurt doesn't even play on it. It's all me. It's a little finger-picked cute thing. But that's all me. So wow. that is a Meat Puppet song that I did write. And there's only me on it. But typically I don't show him stuff for the band. What about suggests, uh, what about suggests of covers? Uh, I have suggested covers that we've done live. Or we'll just be sitting around listening to the music and like the van and we'll come upon something so i think when we did kathy's clown that yeah. was kind of my idea we did that for a while and yeah. i'm pretty sure that was me that suggested it 
um, unless I'm wrong, but I think it was. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 I was just checking it out because, yeah, you got a curious mind, and I could see you aiding and abetting the, the big fucking, you know, dealio, the reality on the dealio. It's been a big honor to have you on. When when you get another record of stuff, you know, whatever you're going to call it, will you come back on the show? Yeah, 100%, man. I, uh, I would love that. I'm really glad... Uh, well, I'm, I really appreciate you uh, asking me to do this. It's a big honor for me, uh, even though I've known you my whole life. Uh, you're obviously you've always been a big influence to me and all my friends and now all my contemporaries musically. So this is awesome for me too. Outside of you know knowing you the way I do, knowing you musically, <laughs> it's pretty great. So. Oh, you're very kind. Well, thank you so much. People, it's been the May 14, 2021 edition. What Pedro? Show. keep your powder dry.